Welcome to the Art of Manifesting with Gaia. Today, we have a fabulous guest. Her name is Maria de Simone. Maria served as the Vice President for the Long Island, New York chapter of the National Council of Geocosmic Research, one of the leading professional astrology organizations. In 2004, she achieved certification in astrology and also holds a BA in psychology. This enables her to blend astrological insights in a humanistic and practical manner, addressing real-life concerns while also encouraging clients to embrace the more metaphysical teachings of astrology. Maria, I must say, is a fabulous astrologer. She exudes such a professional image. She's got fantastic communication skills. And I've been following her on her fantastic multimedia website um, called Insightful Astrology. And she's got insights for all of us every week. And she's always, always spot on. So it's a great honor and a privilege to have her on the call tonight. Welcome, Maria. Gaia, thank you so much for that kind introduction. I appreciate you having me on your show. Thank you, Maria. Thank you for taking time off your busy schedule. I know you're very busy, and we really appreciate this. So thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Maria, could you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into astrology? Oh, Sure. Well, I was about 27, 28 years old when I was actually, I, I just had my second child and I was writing a novel. I learned a little bit about astrology. I knew about my sun sign, the common things that we all knew, but my heart was always interested in writing and I always wanted to be a psychologist. I didn't finish graduate school, so I never got my PhD in, in clinical psychology, Instead, I got married and I had children, and so after I gave birth to my second child, I was writing, wrote a book, and I went to a local bookstore in New York where I live, and I was going to the bookstore to buy a book about agent representation since I was trying to get my novel published, and I saw a poster on the wall at the bookstore when an astrologer was there giving lectures, a lecture and a free mini, mini reading to people who were having a birthday that month. So I went to this lecture thinking to myself, well, maybe this astrologer will tell me that my book will be the next New York Times bestseller. He'll tell me when it'll be published. And, you know, like, like most people, I just wanted to know about myself and what was going to happen. It turns out that I went to that lecture and it changed my life because that man showed me what my birth chart looked like for the first time. He told me things about myself that no one could possibly have known all by looking at the horoscope. And I had chills. I instantly knew I needed to learn as much as possible. And at that point, I started this course of study. I became certified. And gradually, I realized that astrology is the perfect sister science to psychology. And it, it naturally blended my love of counseling and helping people and also my love of writing and communication. So I, I launched InsightfulAstrology.com, and that's a multimedia website. As uh, as you know, you can read anything, you can watch videos, you can listen to, to radio show archives, and you can also 
obtain information about a personal consultation with me because I do specialize in seeing clients over the telephone or in person and talking about their life and how to practically use astrology as a guide to really empower the soul. Amazing. Amazing story, Maria. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Now tell us, Maria, how does astrology, is, it's, it's a blueprint, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So yes. how, how does that work in our lives? Okay, that's a great question. Astrology, if you, if you think about the fact that we are part of a universe, we live on a planet, we live on planet Earth, and there are other planets that are physical realities in our universe. What happens astrologically is that when you take your first live breath, there's a very specific mathematical pattern happening in the sky between those planets and their relationship to Earth. And you're taking that first breath, the soul imprints that energy pattern onto you in that moment. And this is what we call the blueprint of your soul. It's your horoscope. This is when the birth chart is born. And from that snapshot of what the planets were doing mathematically, astrologers can read so many things about your potential, about your possibilities, about your karmic patterns, all of your strengths, your weaknesses, your talents. And the beauty of astrology is that our strength is in timing and studying your cycles. And we can help you understand more about the most opportune times to act and move forward with decisions. And we can also help you understand when you may not be in a cycle that's as as fortunate for something such as love or, or a career matter and when it's best to kind of hold back and wait until the cycle is passed. And, and really astrology is the study of the planetary patterns and how they reflect human behavior and development. It is a beautiful science and art. And I am very privileged to be one of the few people who speak this language fluently. It's a language, and I believe anybody can learn it, and that's one of the reasons why I teach astrology so much in my time. Mm. Maria, it's an amazing self-development tool, isn't it? It really is. It, you can... Uh, you would be surprised, but it, many people who study psychology, Carl Jung was a, a psychologist, but he was also an astrologer, and he pioneered a lot of using psychology and astrology together, and it is not uncommon for clients to tell me that in one session, I was able to pinpoint and root out the the crux of their their difficulties, their tensions, their troubles, and and begin to find solutions. The beauty is that I don't have to wait as an astrologer for the client to reveal to me mm. such things as abuse or or traumatic events. We can see that potential in the birth chart, mm. and you save time. You you can really move efficiently towards helping to heal a soul. Mm-hmm. Mm. How does one use astrology on a daily basis? Well, I think that astrology is meant to be used more in in a cyclical way. In one day, you're considering a part of a greater cycle that you're in. Mm -hmm. So using it in a daily basis, you have to really consider the lengthier cycle. So if you're in a, a major cycle that lasts a few months, 
and you wake up and it's a certain day, you know that you are still in part of that greater cycle. And it, and it can very much help for decision making. It's, um, you can understand so much about why you may be feeling more resistance from other people on a certain day or why you are having trouble asking, speaking up for yourself and asking your boss for a raise in one week and then the next week you feel very sure of yourself and confident. So it's, it's extremely valuable for enlightenment in that way. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in Vedic astrology, we have the predictive side of astrology. How does um, the Western astrology work with predictions? Well, Western astrologers also use the cycles to make predictions. The, the only difference between Vedic astrology and Western astrology is that we use a different zodiacal system. As you probably know, in Vedic astrology, they use the sidereal zodiac, which is based on the constellations. And in, uh, in Western astrology, we use the tropical zodiac, which is based on the signs and the seasons. And so the, the mechanical system of our, our astrology is different. However, they, both systems work because they are both uh, very symbolic in nature. And we do look at the cycles and the trends of energy happening in the sky right now, and we compare those cycles to a birth chart, to anyone's birth chart, and that is the basis of how we get our predictions. Mm-hmm. Now, our listeners, are on the, we are on the topic of the law of attraction. How could they use astrology to complement the law of attraction and what they want to manifest in their lives? That's a really wonderful question, and I'm happy that you asked that because what what I would love for your listeners to understand about their astrology and their horoscope is that, yes, we're in a world of infinite possibilities. However, at the same time, the soul incarnated with very specific lessons, very specific talents and, and potentials, and what we call the natal promise, is the horoscope. If something is not indicated in your horoscope, in your natal promise, in your natal potential, it doesn't matter how hard you try, that will not manifest because your your soul has not chosen to achieve that, to go for that, to have that lesson. So the biggest positive move anybody could make who somebody who is a really big proponent of the law of attraction would be to thoroughly understand the parameters of their natal promise. And then you'll feel that you vibrate to that naturally. You'll feel that that is what you want the most to manifest anyway on a subconscious level. So, for example, if you are, uh, if you feel that you want to be a great concert pianist mm. and you've always felt that and you're trying to use the law of attraction to help you manifest that, Knowing that you have that natal promise in your horoscope will make will make it very easy to manifest. If you don't have that natal promise to become a concert pianist, then from an astrological perspective, no matter how hard you try, that will not happen because that's not part of your destiny. That's not part of your path. Mm-hmm. Would would they have a natural inclination towards something now? 
when they want. We always say when there is a birth of an idea, there is the fruition of that idea as well. Both are born at the same time. So would would the chart also determine what their natural inclination is? Yes. That everyone would want a certain thing. Exactly. That's that's what I do believe. I believe that we are naturally tuned in to, to our own vibration, our own soul. And what we tend to want and hope for and dream about is what our soul truly wants for us. That's for, that's saying that the person is very conscious and spiritually aware. It's, so I don't I don't think that somebody is going to dream about becoming a medical doctor if and and really hope that that can actualize if that's not part of the natal potential to begin with. Mm-hmm. How does one marry the timelines with astrology? Now, let's say we want to, in the law of attraction, we say we want something showing up in three months' time or we give ourselves a date. Now, is that also linked with the planetary movement? I don't. I don't think so. I think that astrology is a very specific system. And we we as astrologers look to all of your cycles and we determine what um, the beginning, the middle, and the ending of that cycle. That's very precise mathematical information that we can get astrologically. But how you can use that in conjunction with the law of attraction is by understanding that astrological cycle it helps you create a a more solid plan of action for success. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I still remember I had a reading with you um, last year, and you know, just like you, I had birthed my two girls, and we had moved location and moved far, far away, and completely given up on working. And I was thinking, what do I do with my life? I want to do something more. And mm-hmm. I was manifesting, and I was telling the universe. Show me, I'd love to know, and I'd love to be doing something and communicating to a large group of people. And you straight away came back and said, Gaia, it's media. And I thought, no, no, no way, not me. And here I am, and both of us are chatting on this call, doing an interview for the Law of Attraction radio network. So it's it's amazing how the blueprint is is showing up in one's life. It sure is. And even though at that time you were thinking, no, no, not me, it, on a soul level, you had to have been resonating with it because you you might have been subconsciously afraid of taking that leap and moving forward. But you had to have been subconsciously resonating with your natural talents, your natural abilities, what you are supposed to be doing. And here you are now moving towards that. And do you see how much easier things are to achieve when it really is meant to be. When you're fighting against a path that you're not supposed to be on, it's very frustrating. And this is where I think there may be a big misunderstanding with the law of attraction. People might might think that they have free reign to go after anything in the world that they want. And I, I think that could be dangerous. I think you really have to be conscious and aware of using the law of attraction in a spiritual way and allowing it to resonate with your natural inclinations, with what you are supposed to be doing at a soul level. Because once that is in place, the universe will stop at nothing 
to make sure you succeed at it. That's that's so true, and that that's beautifully put as well. And I can see this happening because when they try to manifest, that's when they hit, come to a block, isn't it? Because you you're wanting something to show up, but it isn't, and the universe is trying to gently guide you elsewhere. And yes. and so that's related to the chart because you're not naturally meant to be going that way. Yes, and and many times we as human beings we think we want something. And we want it so much, but it's for the wrong reasons. And if something is not for our soul's highest good, it's uh, it's not likely to, to manifest. This is why I I don't I think it's it's somewhat foolish for everyone in the world to believe that they can use the law of attraction to win the lottery. Yeah. That that makes no sense. Mm. It's it it needs to be a very spiritually conscious law because it's powerful. And misused, it, it can be dangerous and, and it can be harmful to the, to the people misusing it. But used properly, it can be a tremendous, tremendous aid to success in your, in your life and in your soul development. Now I'm, I'm sure you've seen uh, a, more than a thousand charts. Most, the most, one of the most common questions we get is to manifest more money or uh, career. Now, how does one get guidance for that in order to manifest a certain career? How could astrology be helpful there? Wonderful question. There, every it, I don't know if you've seen a horoscope, but a horoscope is a, a wheel, and it's divided into twelve sections, which we call houses. And the planets are scattered in a, in a various pattern, depending on your, your date, time, and location of birth. Each area of the chart correlates to an area of your development. So if you have questions related on career, an astrologer would look to the career sectors in your chart and interpret for that individual what the vocational talents are, what the soul's purpose is. And the astrologer then counsels the client about this. And you will always you will always have the client relating to this information because again, you're you're looking at the soul. You're bypassing the personality and you're going straight to a soul. And when you're speaking to someone's soul and and that person is listening, it resonates. So we look at the career sector to find out about career guidance and information. As far as money, we look at the money sectors. And not every horoscope has unlimited money potential. Mm -hmm. There are some horoscopes that indicate financial difficulty at various points. There are some horoscopes that indicate that the natal promise says you will earn more money on your own than you would if you were in a business partnership, for example, or that you will do better financially, you will marry well, but you will not earn as much money on your own. There, the possibilities are endless, and it's very individual. And I think astrologers excel at, at handling the individual analysis of a person's potential. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's, that's so true, true. Um, Maria, when we talk about relationships, now let's say someone is in a relationship and it isn't a spiritual partnership, and yet they want to manifest uh, a beautiful relationship in their lives, how does should one work with the partner's chart as well? Well, are you talking about if the, the two people are in a relationship yes, in, already? In, yes, in an existing one. 
Okay, so if the two people are in an existing relationship and they want to achieve greater harmony, there's an area of astrology, a branch called relationship astrology or synastry, and this is actually my favorite branch of astrology. And what astrologers do is we compare both horoscopes, and it becomes almost like couples counseling because we can identify what your relationship needs are what you need to feel fulfilled in a relationship and what you have to offer in a relationship. And we could do the same thing for your partner. Mm-hmm. But the, the trick is, is that when you're in a relationship, you don't always have that full perspective of what your partner needs in a relationship and what your partner can offer and how the two of you affect one another. So an astrologer comes in as a third party and can identify that, oh, okay, well, this couple, they might have an incredibly wonderful time at communicating with one another. However, there always seems to be a block with an authority figure in the family that is trying to get in the way of the relationship. And then the astrologer, once this pattern is identified, can help the couple navigate around that to enhance the harmony in their relationship. Every relationship, in, in my opinion, is karmic in nature and has a sole purpose whether or not you're with that person for the rest of your life, for six months, for a year, there's a purpose if you're in a relationship with someone. There are lessons to be learned and lessons to be taught. And astrology can illuminate those lessons about any specific relationship, even if it's not romantic, if it's a parent-child relationship or with a boss and a co- uh, an employee, mm-hmm. sister and brother. Any relationship has these patterns available. Mm-hmm. So if they were to if they weren't in a relationship and they wanted to attract someone, could that also be to, you know consulted in the astrological chart? Could they consult? Yes. Okay. Yes. However, you have to wait for a love cycle. You are uh, if right. you are in a difficult romantic cycle, no matter how hard you try to use the law of attraction to mm-hmm. attract a loving relationship to you, the universe is putting you through a relationship lesson during that cycle if it's a difficult one. And you're meant to learn something first before you can attract that relationship. So an astrologer would, if I had a client coming to me saying, I want to use the law of attraction to find the perfect love, and I saw that that person was in the middle of a significant, transformative, difficult love cycle, it's my job as as an astrologer, to tell that person, well, you will have an opportunity to attract that love relationship to you. But right now, the the time should be better focused at learning this lesson. And then I would explain that lesson. And I would explain that if the person didn't try to learn that lesson, the universe would probably put a painful relationship in the path of that person to force that lesson to be learned. So, yes, the law of attraction might still work and a person might attract their relationship, but it would not be the ideal relationship. It would, it would end up being quite difficult. So, basically, they'll be repeating the same pattern over and over again in relationships. If they're not willing to to learn those lessons, to embrace what, what the cycles are trying to teach, then yes. How could one use this for self-development and not have those cycles manifest again? Well, 
the cycles that I'm speaking of that are the most dramatic yeah. are, are would be once-in-a-lifetime cycles because the outer planets, such as Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, when they touch on a, a personal planet, a personal horoscope, they're very slow-moving planets. Pluto has a 246-year cycle, Neptune 165, Uranus an 84-year cycle. So these transits, for example, if you're going to get transiting Pluto making a square or difficult aspect to your Venus, which is love, that's a once-in-a-lifetime transit. However, the effects of that cycle can last for up to three years. And during that cycle, it may be very difficult to have the positive love relationship that you yearn for until you're willing to let go of old outworn patterns in love and relationship that are not serving your highest good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I get that now. Now, how do uh, we work with the chart? Now, we listen to the sun sign astrology and the ascendant. Now, how do we marry the two? Should we also listen to the ascendant? Yes, I do recommend if you're... There's no substitute for a personal consultation right. with an astrologer because that is, that's looking at your unique birth chart. But if that's not available to you and you're watching video horoscopes or you're reading horoscopes, then the sun sign is the the sun is your vitality and your essence, and the sun sign will always resonate with you. The ascendant or the rising sign is the sign that was rising over the eastern horizon when you took your first live breath at that exact moment you were born, and that rising sign begins the structure of your unique horoscope. So waiting for your rising sign will will give very accurate timing. You might notice if you have, let's say you have the sun in Gemini, but you have Pisces rising. You'll read for the sun in Gemini, and the themes will be very relevant. But then you read for your Pisces rising, and not only are the themes relevant, but the timing is a little more accurate because you're, you're closer to your exact mathematical birth chart. Oh, okay. And how do angles fit into this? The angles of the horoscope? Yes. Well, the, the ascendant is the first angle. That is the, the first house cusp, and that's all about your identity projection. And directly across from the ascendant is the descendant, which is the partnership axis, uh, the partnership angle. So that is the person that you attract, that you're attracted to. And that axis works together. That's the relationship axis. Then there is, uh, on the fourth house, the bottom portion of the chart, where uh, it would be 6 o'clock in a, in a clock, it's the fourth house cusp, which is home and family. And then right above it is the tenth house, which is your, it's also called the midheaven, and this is your career, this is your calling in life, your vocation. And so these angles are the most sensitive points of the horoscope. When a planet in the sky makes any kind of mathematical aspect to these angles, it triggers life development. It triggers an event to happen in the person's life. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So basically what I'm getting from after talking to you is that if someone really is serious about manifesting, it's best that they come and have a consultation and just get guidance on, am I on the right track to what I'm feeling in in relationships and in career? 
health-wise, it, it's best to have a consultation first and then put in energy into that. Would you say that's right? I think so, because unless that person is very spiritually evolved and and knows that whatever he or she is trying to attract is in line with the soul's purpose, it's it's almost like swimming against the current. You want to see what you're what you're working with. You want to get a good look at your soul and your potential and your strengths and what they are and how to maximize them. And I think I think everyone should have that gift of a thorough horoscope analysis. It, it, it should be a standard practice, in my opinion, in the world that every parent gets this done for their child so that the child knows from an early age vital information about the soul's purpose. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really useful, too. And And supposing they don't know their birth time, would that matter or could that be calculated? It does matter, not knowing your birth time, because without the exact birth time, we cannot get that exact mathematical chart for you, the specific pattern. That specific pattern from when you took your first live breath, once it happens, it cannot be astronomically replicated for almost 26,000 years. And that is how unique we all are. Fortunately, there are there are a handful of astrologers trained in what is called rectification, mm-hmm. and I, I'm one of them. And what rectification is is a technique where if a birth time is not known, the astrologer will ask the person interested in getting a, a horoscope cast for a, a handful of dates, important dates in the life, such as the date of marriage, the date of a graduation, the date of an important move, the death of a loved one, the birth of a loved one. We're interested in specific dates only at that point because we have to focus on the math math and science part of it to obtain your birth time. And what we do with those dates is astrologers use a method called rectification to go backwards in time and trace the type of astrology that we know would be most likely to occur during that event, and we're able to get very close to that person's birth time if the birth time isn't known. Mm-hmm. How many times in a year should one get a reading? I recommend for the average person once a year because I tend, I don't, I get requests very often, especially in your area of the world, right. that people want five years, they want a lifetime analysis. Mm-hmm. And that that does not make sense to me because I firmly believe that how you're using your astrology in your most immediate future will determine the path you're on and how the cycles that are coming up three years from now are most likely to manifest. So it would be a waste of time mm-hmm. to say that seven years from now it looks like you could get divorced. Mm-hmm. That's not that you might be going into a cycle of difficulty and tension in your marriage. But if you're using the cycle the year before to go into counseling and work things out, then that divorce doesn't mean a divorce. It means a transformation of your marriage. Mm-hmm. So I stick to one year ahead, and I, I the cycles are always changing, so it's not like you can go to an astrologer once in a lifetime and, and get everything you need. I recommend once a year unless there are two exceptions. For my business clients who are consulting me specifically on business decisions, when to sign contracts, when to have a meeting, that would be an as-needed basis depending on the type of business. 
And the other exception is a client who is in a deeper psychological crisis. Mm -hmm. If the client is going through a major life trauma and needs the counseling and support of astrology to help them get through that, then that would be an as-needed basis as well. I don't advocate someone becoming dependent on their astrologer. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I, I get a little nervous when I see somebody clicking the PayPal button month after month just to talk to me about the same astrology because that tells me that the person is getting stuck and is not doing what I hope, which is using astrology as a tool for self-empowerment. Mm. Mm. So true, yes. Um, we get that as psychics as well because you don't want them dependent on you. You want them to be, you know, empowered or just, just, just a gentle guidance. But ultimately, it's them facing up to their potential and living their potential, isn't it? Now, mm -hmm. talking about signing of contracts and in business, um, I often hear people panicking when Mercury goes retrograde. Can you explain that to us, please? Sure. That's the most common bit of astrological information that, that people around the world seem to know about. Mercury in, in astrology represents all types of communication. It is commerce. It is short-distance travel. It's, it's writing. It's reading. It is talking on the phone. It's every bit of communication, signing contracts for sure. And about three times a year, Mercury in, in the sky from our perspective here on Earth, appears to stop and travel backwards for, uh, for about almost three weeks. And this happens about three times a year. Now, it is an optical illusion. It is not an astronomical fact. Mercury does not really move backwards. It's just that from the Earth's perspective, it appears to do this three times a year. During that time, symbolically, since we're operating on how those planets affect us from here on Earth, symbolically, when a planet is retrograde, that planet's energy does not operate as, as efficiently, as outwardly, as easily, as it usually does. So in the case of Mercury, since Mercury is, is very close to us, it, we very much feel Mercury retrograde phases on the Earth. And it's a time when communication is turned inward, and it can be, we can experience confusion, we can experience misunderstandings and miscommunication more easily, and we tend to have more car trouble or things get lost in the mail, we have computer troubles, all sorts of glitches that are communications related. And and it doesn't mean that we always experience that at every Mercury retrograde cycle in a very difficult way. The common misconception is that when you hear that Mercury goes retrograde, life has to stop and you mm. can't do anything. Mm. And there are some general rules, which generally you don't want to initiate new important meetings, conversations, contracts. But if you're talking about something before Mercury goes retrograde, it's okay to proceed with that. Looking at your individual horoscope and seeing where Mercury is retrograding for that cycle and if it is making an aspect to one of your planets or one of your angles is always going to tell you whether or not any particular Mercury retrograde phase is going to be more difficult for you or not. And I can, I can tell you that in general, 
every Mercury retrograde phase can be a little annoying because even if we're not affected, the people around us are going to be, and that can cause delays and frustrations for us. But us personally experiencing the most frustration will happen when that Mercury retrograde cycle is affecting us. And that actually happened to me recently with the most recent retrograde. It was aspecting my horoscope in a very difficult way. And one of the big no-nos for Mercury retrograde is you do not buy a new car because that's a Mercury-related matter, short-distance transportation and cars, and you don't sign the contract for a new car. Well, I had no choice but to purchase a new car during the Mercury retrograde phase, and I purchased the car before Mercury went retrograde in what's called the shadow period, and that's still an iffy period for us. We, we watch the shadow period. But I had to buy the car, so I did, and up until th this happened in the very last cycle we had, so up until this past week, I have been navigating car trouble with a brand new car, elect major electronic car trouble. And that's because this Mercury retrograde cycle hit my birth chart in a very difficult way. Now, as an astrologer, you're thinking, well, you should have seen that. And sure, you can see these cycles, but... In reality, I needed a car. I couldn't wait a month and have no car when I have children to drive around. And also, the other thing is, we all have lessons to learn. And if it wasn't the car, it would have been something else communications related because I was in that cycle. So, you see, if we were using the law of attraction and I said I want to manifest a brand new car for myself, I did. I, I had the brand new car, but it was a headache. Because I had, I was doing it during a difficult cycle. Yeah, and the question I get uh, quite often is that, guy, I've got, I've manifested myself a fantastic job. I've gone for the interviews, and I have to sign the contract now. Is it okay for me to sign the contract mm -hmm. during a Mercury retrograde? So that's the question I get quite often. And I would say, in general. Hold off if you can, but if you've been negotiating everything about this and have and you're completely ready to go, then it's it's probably okay. There may be something that has to be changed. If you if you don't have the power to wait and reality trumps what you can do with the astrology, then you don't want to miss an opportunity altogether. You you'll have to do sign the contract and then deal with whatever difficulties may arise afterward. But if you are going back to something old, it's actually a good time during Mercury retrograde. Oh, right. Okay. Mm, that, that's interesting. Is the heart of the retrograde more um, dramatic than the other two weeks? Because it lasts usually three weeks, doesn't it? Yes. What what I find to be most dramatic are the, the three days or so when it Stations retrograde, right. meaning when it first turns retrograde, and then the three days or so when it stations direct, because that's when Mercury is doing something very dramatic. It is appearing to stop from our perspective on Earth and change direction. Mm -hmm. So those days, there's generally a lot more chaos. Right. And so it could be a stepping back and introspection yeah. time for us. Exactly. Yeah. Now, tell us about eclipses. How do they affect? We've just had one on the 4th of Jan, haven't we? 
Yes, we had a solar eclipse on January 4th. Eclipses are very dramatic cycles, very dramatic life changes in astrology. Eclipse cycles happen two weeks apart. In a, we have a new moon eclipse, which is a solar eclipse, and then we have a lunar eclipse, which is a full moon eclipse. And they symbolically mean something different, but they're both very, very potent. A lunar eclipse coinciding with a full moon is, is very much like culmination, harvest time. Something could be ending, something could be coming to completion, but always there's there's full awareness. There's it's it's a very emotionally heightened time. And depending on where that eclipse falls in your personal chart, there could be an ending, there could be a loss, there could be a great illumination, and it could also be a reward fulfillment time because mm-hmm. full moons do bring fruition. Mm-hmm. Solar eclipses or new moons that is the planting seeds. That's new beginnings. So in general, it's a very fortunate time to begin new things, but there could also be a, a major change. Uh, something has to go in order for something new to happen. And that's kind of this general guide for eclipses, is that before something new will come into your life, something is eclipsed out first. But the solar eclipse is usually more fortunate. Whatever comes to take its place is, is for your higher higher good. And eclipses happen in cycles. Mm-hmm. About every six months or so, we, we can have anywhere from two to seven eclipses in one year. Wow. And this year, in 2011, we're getting six eclipses because mm-hmm. the eclipses are changing signs. And they spend about two years touring each uh, pair of signs. For the past two years, they were going through Cancer and Capricorn. And this year, in 2011, we're having one, we had one more in Capricorn January 4th, we'll have one more in Cancer July 1st, but the rest of the eclipses for 2011 are in Gemini and Sagittarius, because now the eclipses are moving on to different signs. Mm -hmm. And you'll find dramatic, life-changing events happen around eclipse times if that eclipse is touching a point in your chart in a personal way. Right, and probably that's a time to shed something, isn't it? Letting go of something. Most of the time with a lunar eclipse, you might need to let go of something, and and every eclipse will not affect you dramatically. If You have to go back to that birth chart. Eclipse times are very unstable, mm-hmm. and it's it's not advisable to make decisions and to act during eclipses. You want to wait until that energy relaxes a little bit because if you think about it, during eclipse times, the earth is destabilized and there are many more natural disasters happening around eclipse times. There are, you'll see that the media is buzzing with a lot more activity. There's a lot going on in our world because the earth is destabilized. So even though these are life-changing times and things will happen to you, you are better off not reacting too quickly to whatever's happening during the days of an eclipse, a few days before, a few days after. Let the energy stabilize. Thank you for that. Um, an interesting thing is that, um, Maria, in this part of the world, Indian temples are usually closed during an eclipse time. 
And is that for reverence? What's the reason? Symbolic for? It's it's symbolic, and at that time, all all Hindu temples will be shut. So they will be shut at least for those uh, the heart of it and for an hour or two before. So literally for about three hours or the duration of the eclipse, the temples are shut. Is that for a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse? For a solar eclipse. And that makes sense for the solar eclipse because thousands of years ago, uh, the deaths of kings and rulers was predicted. Major disasters were predicted, especially during the solar eclipse because Think about it. You can see that we we are eclipsed at that time. Mm. It's just everything goes everything goes dark. Everything is it's it could be terrifying if you are in an, in an area of the world where you can view the eclipse and you see that all of a sudden light turns to dark. Mm. You, the crickets come out for a split second. All of the everything changes, and and that's very symbolic of something is killed off so that something new can take its place. Mm-hmm. Very very transformational moment, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Maria. Now, for all our listeners out there, could you give us some insight into? using astrology or when should they come and consult you because I'm sure they've all made New Year resolutions and written up all their lists for manifesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so when would be, how do they use your website, a bit of what you do? Could you enjoy sure. well, the work? My, my website is insightfulastrology.com and when you go on the website, you could see the menu tab on the top for consultations and you click on that tab, and it gives you information about the types of consultations I offer. Although I'm in New York, I would say 98% of my practice is with clientele throughout the world. So most of my consultations are done via telephone. And you can make a, a payment through PayPal through the website, and then I contact you. You give me your birth information. We schedule the appointment. And usually people consult an astrologer during the more difficult cycles. Because think about it, when your life is going well, you don't need help. When your life is going just fine, you're in a good, very good cycle. And that's so the time I still, we forget about gratitude as well. We completely forget about that, don't we? Yeah. And I, and I don't get people paying me for consultations when they're in the happy phase of life. And rightly so, because they're enjoying that, that fruit, that, that wonderful cycle. I get clients who are going through a difficult time, who are blocked, who are in a frustrating cycle, who are going through a major life event and need guidance. And the astrology will always illuminate what's going on in that person's life during that time. And and so it's really more about when you feel you would benefit from the guidance of an astrologer. If you're in a good place mm-hmm. and you're thinking about consulting an astrologer, I think that's a wonderful thing because you're in a, you're in a place of you're able to receive the wisdom of astrology without the stress of a major traumatic life event. So I wish more people would contact an astrologer when they're in a healthy place in their life so that they could get so much more valuable information go into their psyche about their chart. Very often when you're when you're counseling someone in crisis, they're too focused on their pain and on the the difficult situation 
for me to be able to spend time talking about all of the the wonderful things that I would like to. We're limited. And it, life necessitates that. You can't spend five hours talking to a client. Mm. And they're more focused on their detail and drama and not on their potential of what they could be doing. And and it's my job and any astrologer's job to counsel them through that, dra- that drama and whatever traumatic event, but at the same time try to instill hope and try to instill that there, that that difficult cycle will end and that a new cycle will take its place and also illuminate the positive characteristics that are available to that person if he or she can just do what's necessary to rise above the pain that they're in. You also offer classes, don't you? Teleclasses? How does that work? I do. I teach teleconference classes, which are done by telephone. And this enables me to have students from around the world. And what happens is you register for uh, one of my classes. I teach from the beginner's level through advanced. I've taught people to become astrologers. So I do teach through advanced. And we, have, we meet once a week. And the the phone call is recorded and archived, so all of my students can listen as much as they need to. And I provide unlimited email support. My classes, what separates them from other correspondence courses is that I make all of my classes highly personalized to each group of students. We use your birth charts. We do homework assignments and class assignments focused on the students' birth charts. And so... It, it is always, every group has a different learning dynamic because we're dealing with different charts. And the personalized attention, I feel, is very critical, especially in the beginning stages, because part of what draws you to learning about astrology in the first place is you want that deeper understanding about your own horoscope. Mm-hmm. So in classes like this, you get the deeper understanding of your own horoscope while you're also getting the gentle guidance of being able to practice looking at horoscopes of other people. Beautiful, beautiful. How I always wanted to ask you this question, how did you link cooking with astrology? (laughs) That's a good question. But uh, I'll just briefly explain to your listeners that what you're referring to is one one of the shows that I have on my website is an internet cooking show called Bite Sized Astrology. And it's a show where I combine my love of cooking and my love of food with astrology. And I was filming the weekly video horoscopes with with my producer, Dan, at my house one day. And I always loved to cook. I I have strong Taurus cancer placements in my chart, and I have an Italian heritage. And so cooking and eating and food has always been a big part of my life. And at the same time, I also consider myself a teacher. And I have this purpose of teaching astrology to as many people as possible. Now, astrology is a sacred language. It's a rare language that not many people understand. Food, on the other hand, is a universal language. And everyone understands food. And so I said to Dan, my producer, let's see what happens if I make this dessert and I talk to people about a transit that's happening in the sky while I'm making the dessert. And it was very natural to me. It was not only natural, but so fun. And people tell me that watch it, they don't, they're amazed at how I could do the cooking and talk about the detailed astrology at once. 
But it's very natural for me. I love it, and I love teaching everyone about astrology, and I do it in bite-sized pieces so that it's not too much information at once. And there, there's also delicious recipes. And this year, I have changed the show, and now I'll be having guests cook with me on the show, and I'll be able to show live horoscope analysis to teach people about the real power of looking at someone's birth chart, and we'll talk about interesting topics about astrology, uh, for for instance. The last episode that I filmed was all about the Ophiuchus 13th sign nonsense. I, I explained why that wasn't so, and that actually was my most widely viewed episode so far, and, and it might have also been because it was the first one that I had a guest on. My next episode, which we're filming next month, is going to have a dear friend of mine who is a, a very well-known psychic medium, and we'll be cooking together. And while we cook, I'm going to explain indicators of psychic ability in a birth chart because that's one area that I have extensively studied. I did a, a big research uh, project on that a few years ago. And so I will share in layman's terms what some of the more common indicators of psychic ability are in a horoscope. And that there's another example of if it's not in your natal promise, it doesn't matter how much you try to use the law of attraction. If you're not meant to be a psychic medium, you're not going to be a psychic medium. If the potential's not there, then a transit in the sky will never be able to activate it. We have to look at what, the, what your potential is, and then we look and see what those cycles are and when it's going to be activated. And that's when you initiate the law of attraction, and that's when you're guaranteed to succeed. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. But to all my listeners, you you should visit www.insightfulastrology.com and really she has some, Maria has some fabulous recipes and I really am amazed at how you do it. it it's so beautiful. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for that segment as well, bite-sized astrology. So once again, thank you, Maria. Thank you very much for taking the time and granting us this interview, we're truly grateful and sharing how useful astrology is and it actually helps us save time when using the law of attraction. So so thank you very much once again. Thank you for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you.